This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. These are challenging times, but you don't have to navigate them alone. Welcome to How Can I Help? I'm Dr. Gail Saltz. I'm a clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, a psychoanalyst, and best-selling author. And I'm here every week to answer your most pressing questions, hopefully with understanding, insight, and advice. Most people drink some alcohol. People drink to celebrate, to relax, or socialize with other people. But when someone drinks in excess or drinks as a way to cope with stressors or avoid problems, it creates both physical and psychological issues. So today, I'm answering a listener's question about how much she's drinking. Alcohol use disorder, known in lay terms as alcoholism, refers to a problematic pattern of alcohol use that leads to significant impairment or distress. Because alcohol use varies greatly between people, it is less about the total quantity of alcohol consumed and more about specific problems, such as when drinking interferes with your home life or school or work. Drinking could be problematic if it creates interpersonal difficulties with family and friends, or if it leads to a decrease of other activities in life. Age, family history, and how much or how often an individual drinks are other important variables when considering someone's relationship with alcohol. Alcohol abuse affects all genders, races, and ethnic lines. Nearly 14 million people, often more men than women in the United States, have a problem with alcohol use. Issues surrounding alcohol are highest among young adults ages 18 to 29 and lowest among adults age 65 and older. But defining and diagnosing alcohol use disorder can be complicated when you're working with a young adult because the lifestyle of, for example, college students often includes excessive use of alcohol, making it difficult to tell whether it's a legitimate disorder or whether it isn't. Moderate drinking is considered up to one drink per day for women and up to two drinks per day for men. In the United States, one standard drink contains roughly 14 grams of pure alcohol, which is found in 12 ounces of regular beer, five ounces of wine, or an ounce and a half of spirits. So filling your wine glass up to the top of the glass isn't one glass of wine. Alcohol use disorder is defined by the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual in Psychiatry, as a problematic pattern of drinking that results in clinically significant impairment or distress 
which takes the form of two or more of the following situations within a 12-month period. Drinking more than intended or doing so for a longer period of time than intended. Continually wanting or attempting unsuccessfully to cut down or stop drinking. Spending a lot of time getting alcohol, drinking it, or recovering from its effects. Having a strong desire or urge at other times to drink. Failing to fulfill major work, school, or home responsibilities due to drinking. Continuing to drink even though it is causing relationship troubles. Prioritizing drinking by giving up or cutting back important activities. Drinking in situations in which it is physically dangerous. In other words, that would be, for example, binge drinking. Continuing to drink even though one has a persistent or recurrent physical or psychological problem that drinking has likely caused or made worse. Needing much more than was once needed to get the desired effect from alcohol or not experiencing the same effect when drinking the same amount. And having withdrawal symptoms, which could be trouble sleeping, shakiness, restlessness, nausea, sweating, a racing heart, even a seizure, or sensing things that are not there, or drinking to relieve those withdrawal symptoms or avoid having them. Alcoholism or alcohol dependence is considered the most severe form of alcohol abuse. The DSM-5 integrates alcohol abuse and dependence into a single disorder with either mild, moderate, or severe classifications. So mild would be the presence of two or three of the symptoms I mentioned, moderate would be four to five, and severe would be the presence of six or more symptoms. When someone has been drinking alcohol to excess regularly and suddenly stops, they can experience alcohol withdrawal. The symptoms are some combination of hand tremors, sweating, insomnia, rapid heart rate, anxiety, depression, fatigue, irritability, and at most severe, hallucinations and seizures. Alcohol withdrawal is a serious condition that can become life-threatening if not treated. Symptoms typically develop within several hours to a few days after a person has stopped or reduced drinking. It is important for individuals who may have alcohol use disorder to consult a doctor, to be honest and forthcoming to determine if they have a drinking problem, and if so, to collaborate with that doctor on how to handle it. While the specific cause of alcohol use disorder is unknown, there are environmental and genetic links. In other words, alcohol disorders run in families. But another factor is the addictiveness of the substance itself. Excessive alcohol intake changes the chemical makeup of the brain in ways that contribute to an addiction. Drinking alcohol affects the physical and mental health of some people differently than others, and in some, it will lead to an alcohol-related disorder. As I mentioned, abuse runs in families, And the rate of the condition is three to four times higher in close relatives of alcoholics. And the risk increases with the closeness of the genetic relationship. Environmental factors include cultural attitudes about drinking, availability of alcohol, 
and substance abuse by peers. So, for example, I mentioned that in college, it can be difficult to tell when there's a problem going on because there's so much alcohol available and because peers encourage the drinking to access. The risk of abusing alcohol increases if individuals use drinking to numb themselves to their problems, to cope with anxiety, with fears, with stress, or mood issues. And impulsivity is also linked to alcohol abuse. How Can I Help with Dr. Gail Saltz? We'll be back after this short break. So let's get to my listener's question and see, how can I help? Dear Dr. Saltz, I have had a difficult year being stuck inside with my family a lot and feeling very stressed about everything from COVID to money troubles. When my workday is done, I like to have a glass of wine while I'm making dinner. It's relaxing and enjoyable. In fact, it's one of the few things I'm really enjoying. Over the last few months, I have been pouring myself a second glass while I'm cooking. And I can't say I feel as relaxed as I used to after having it. It's making me think about having a third one. But it's also making me wonder if this is a problem. How many glasses of wine a night are a problem? I don't drink at all at other times of day, and I don't get drunk. So part of me thinks this must be fine. But another part of me wants my glasses so much that I'm feeling nervous it may be an issue. What do you think? Because alcohol chemically is an addictive drug, if you are drinking for the effect, the effect of feeling relaxed, over time, whatever amount you require to produce that effect will no longer do so. You will need more to get the same feeling. This is called tolerance. And over time, if you use less, you may temporarily experience the opposite of that feeling edgy and jittery, which will likely make you crave your glass even more. This is called withdrawal. Tolerance and withdrawal are hallmark signs of alcohol dependence. The old myth or idea that alcoholics drink all day is just not true. And alcohol dependence can happen to lovely and conscientious people who don't realize they are building a regular habit over time. This habit may not be interfering in your life, so it's not yet abuse, but that you must do it daily, that you are using more and now feel a need to use even more, that you are thinking about and craving your glass, point to a developing problem. I would suggest cutting back, and now, and know that initially it may not feel very good, but over a few days to weeks, that not good feeling will go away. I don't advise just stopping cold turkey today. That could be unsafe for you, but I do suggest cutting your second glass in half for a week, then having no second glass for a week, then half of one glass for a week, and then every couple of days, try having no alcohol at all. Then you could resume with some if this works out with for you, but I wouldn't go above a glass a day. 
then I think it's important for you to find some other methods of relaxing at the end of your day. Putting on great music, chatting with a girlfriend, doing yoga stretches, trying some paced deep breathing. If you want to replace just the act of sipping on something delicious while you're cooking, consider some mocktails. Consider something fun but alcohol-free. They make alcohol-free beers and even alcohol-free spirits. It's not that you have to never drink. It's the regularity and increase that's the issue. The sooner you cut back, the easier it will be to do so. And if in trying to cut back, you find that you really can't do it, then it is time to check in with a mental health professional who can help you do so. I hope that was helpful. So let's talk about specific treatments for alcohol dependence. Many people with alcohol problems don't recognize that their drinking has become problematic. Others are not ready to get help. It is important for each person to consider the pros and cons of drinking and to decide whether cutting down or quitting altogether is what's necessary. Abstinence from alcohol is strongly recommended for people who have tried cutting down but could not stay within their limits, have been diagnosed with an alcohol use disorder, are experiencing the symptoms of one, have a physical or mental condition that is caused or worsened by drinking, are taking a medication that interacts with alcohol, and of course, those who are or may become pregnant. Others might benefit from just reducing their alcohol intake to reduce the impact of consequences associated with drinking. When drinking is associated with problematic behavior caused by significant intoxication or withdrawal symptoms like nausea, vomiting, agitation, insomnia, detox may be required to start the process of treatment. Detoxification is done in a controlled and supervised setting in which medications relieve the symptoms of the detox. It usually takes four to seven days, during which time you would be checking for other medical problems, which might have been caused by the drinking issue, checking the liver, checking for blood clotting, and having a balanced diet with vitamin supplementation might be important if you've been drinking a lot. Following detox, alcohol recovery or rehab programs help an affected person in maintaining abstinence from alcohol. They offer counseling. They offer medical care and psychological support for when you leave. And education about alcoholism and its effects is part of the therapy. Many of the staff in rehab centers are people who have recovered from an alcohol use disorder and they help serve as role models. Programs can be inpatient with the person in a facility during the treatment, but they also can be outpatient with the individual attending the program while they live at home. It's important to remember that other psychiatric conditions like depression or bipolar disorder or anxiety disorders can coexist with alcoholism. In fact, they may be driving the drinking in and of themselves. But it's impossible to really diagnose well another underlying disorder and treat it 
while alcoholism is ongoing, which is why it's so important to treat that first. So if there is an underlying disorder, you really need to attend to treating that and then getting to the bottom of the other one. Because people may use alcohol as a form of self-medication, this is why these often coexist together. Three oral medications, disulfiram, also called antabuse, naltrexone, and acamprosate, are currently approved to treat alcohol dependence. In addition, an injectable long-acting form of naltrexone is available and can be used. These medications have been shown to help people with dependence reduce their drinking and avoid a relapse to heavy drinking, which is really important, and achieve and maintain abstinence if that's the best path. Naltrexone acts to reduce the craving for alcohol in those people who've stopped drinking. And acamprosate is thought to work by reducing symptoms such as anxiety and insomnia that may follow lengthy abstinence. Disulfiram discourages drinking by making individuals feel sick if they drink alcohol. And that, of course, is negative reinforcement. Other types of drugs are available to manage the symptoms of withdrawal that may occur if you're going through alcohol dependence and then stop drinking. But early recognition of these symptoms and immediate treatment is important because it can help prevent some of them and it can drastically limit their severity. Also worth discussing is 12-step programs that help you stick to abstinence as the cure for alcoholism. The harm reduction approach is more individualized. A person who suffers may choose to use alcohol less as opposed to full abstinence, but the aim is to really reduce the consequences of their alcohol use. Alcoholics Anonymous describes itself as a worldwide fellowship of men and women who help each other to stay sober. It's recognized as an effective mutual health program for people recovering from alcohol abuse. But even those who are helped by it usually find that AA meetings work best in combination with some other form of treatment, something that includes counseling and medical care as well. Do you have a problem I can help with? If so, email me at howcanihelp at senecawomen.com. All centers remain anonymous. And listen every Friday to How Can I Help? with me, Dr. Gail Saltz.